Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Born in Peru, Francisco Morales Bermudez moved to the United States as a child, and he went to school just outside of Washington, D.C. He graduated from the University of Miami and eventually found yoga. Today, he's the founder and co-director of Synergy Yoga. He leads workshops around the globe and is a master of Thai massage therapy, and he's a movement artist. Francisco, welcome to Square Peg Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, my brother. Good to be here. And I am so glad, if you'll give me just one second, I dropped the mouse. Yeah, take your sweet time. <laughs> take my sweet time. Hey, no, I'm really glad we're able to do this because you were calling in uh, from Peru, and um, that's not something that I was 100% sure we would be able to do. I was hoping maybe to catch you one day when you were traveling here in the U.S., but we made it happen. Now, where exactly in Peru are you today? I'm in Lima, the capital of Peru. Uh, it's uh, 11.3 million people. That is a humongous city. It's it's one of the biggest cities in the world. And one cool thing about this really big city is that on Sundays there's no cars on the roads. You know, which is really unique for such a populated city. I was just um, I was just talking to somebody. I was just talking to somebody the other day who's from Colombia. And she said the exact same thing. And that, that's because everybody's at, yeah. observing the Sabbath, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the Spanish Inquisition inquired quite a bit uh, in, in Latin America and in Peru, especially. Um, and I think, you know, definitely, I think people just really like that family rest day. And it's also, you know, some people are. Um, you know, going to church, going to mass, but I think in general, in a really big city, people really appreciate the rhythm. And it's really cool that Colombians are taking notice too, like other neighboring Latin American countries take notice of, of, of this phenomenon, which is really unique even within Latin America, you know? That's that's um, really, that's amazing. You know, I had actually had no idea that Lima was the size it was. If I'm not mistaken, that's about twice the size of New York City. Uh, consider you know if you combine all five boroughs, it's about five and a half six million uh, people. And I have to to be honest with you, as as much as I consider myself fairly, uh, I don't want to say the world worldly because I haven't. It's not like I've traveled, but you know, growing up where we did, we had so many friends from all different parts of the world, and I felt like our public education was yeah. such that I I got a good knowledge of a lot of different places around the globe. I really don't know much about Peru other than uh, Machu Picchu and the Incas. And that the capital is Lima. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I really don't know much more than that. Yeah, well, um, you're, you are right. I mean, like, where we grew up was uh, pretty, like, you know, was, was a melting pot. And we got a little insight into places from all over the world just as kids growing up, which was really beautiful about where, where we did go to school. Um, but, yeah, Peru has the largest variety of microclimates in the world, largest variety of birds. Uh, in the world, um, but just the microclimate piece alone kind of gives you a little bit insight into the varied agriculture. You can find just about any piece of food um, grown here. You know, um, it was the epicenter of the Incas, like you said, the epicenter of the Inca Empire. And I think part of the reason they chose it was because it was so varied in its agriculture and its uh, climate patterns. 
Now, you, I noticed you just actually uploaded some photos um, to one of your social media profiles the other day of Machu Picchu. Were you there just recently? Yeah, I was. Um, so part of uh, our business, uh, me and my uh, co-director of uh, my business partner, Salim, who's based in Kenya, um, part of our business is we lead uh, cultural wellness retreats and journeys uh, to the sacred valley of Peru. So we take people to Machu Picchu. We do treks, like five-day, kind of more like glamping-style treks so people can kind of relax and appreciate uh, being immersed in, in, in that natural wonderment of Peru um, and also to Kenya and, uh, and different parts of Mexico. Um, so, yeah, I was just in Machu Picchu. I've, I've gone there probably like over 30 times, and I still, every time I go in, I, I get pretty stoked, you know, so... What's the elevation um, there? It's a pretty phenomenal place. What's that, brother? What's the elevation in Machu Picchu? Machu Picchu is actually a lower part of the valley. Like, when you fly into Cusco, that's the city you fly into. Uh, when you're flying into um, to go see Machu Picchu. And so Machu Picchu is actually going towards the jungle. Like, as the, as the, the sacred valley, as the mountains become more connected to the Amazon... So Machu Picchu is probably like lower elevation. I would say maybe like seventeen hundred. Oh, okay, um, okay. Totally, totally mind blown. Yeah. I actually, I live at four thousand feet. I thought it was going to be something higher. Um, now, I know you played a lot of soccer and uh, American football uh, as a kid, and you were actually quite a good wrestler in high school. But how did you discover yoga, and what was it like transitioning from competitive contact sports to something? Uh, so much different uh, than, to, than yoga. Yeah. Um, well, good question. I want to answer that question, but I want to kind of just touch really quick on Cusco's elevation. Cusco's elevation is about 12,000 feet. Okay. You know, um, and Machu Picchu is actually 7,000. So when you fly into Cusco, you go, you drop down to Machu Picchu. Okay. Um, so it doesn't seem as much, but yeah, it's above where you are. Okay, now that um, that 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 so, makes a little bit more sense. Seventeen hundred feet, considering the the pictures I've seen, it looks like the mountains themselves yeah. are that much bigger. Yeah, yeah, totally. Are, um, are you sensitive to to elevation to the the different? Is your, are your lungs? I used to be, I used to be, but um, just kind of getting um, you know I've acclimated over time. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, if you go out there, you'll see people with really huge rib cages. That, um, that is interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah, it you really know, is. I mean, where we like, grew up in the Washington D.C. area is about as close to sea level as you can be. And I moved, um, I moved out to New Mexico when I graduated college in 1998, and I went to the police academy in Silver City, which was six thousand feet elevation. And uh, that was quite quite a difficult transition. However, the first time I came home to visit my folks, I took ten minutes off my five mile time. So that, that's how much the elevation yeah. affects me. Um, getting back, though, making that transition from competitive contact sports to the practice of yoga, uh, mm-hmm. is, that, is that a difficult a difficult transition to make mentally? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a good question because, like, now I'm kind of getting back into more contact. Like, I'm training more jujitsu. Um with uh, my friend Santiago and Diego over here in um, in Lima, at, at their center, the Flow Strong Center, 
but uh, so it's been really nice actually to get back into it. But the the transition into yoga was not very challenging. It was kind of more necessary because I had so many injuries, um, and from contact sports and running and just all kinds of things. Um, so the transition was was very welcomed, and um, and I started to see an immediate effect on my overall wellness from yoga practice. Um, so once I started to see the effect, then it was kind of like a lot easier, right? Then I was I was hooked, and I wanted to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't imagine that you jumped right in like from one day to the next. I know it was some sort of process. Um, and I, I would imagine there was a period of time over which that, that, that process and that transition took. But you were in the professional yeah. world. You were in the professional world before you uh, made the change. You're ch- basically a lifestyle change. What did you do professionally before you got into doing yoga full-time? Um, before I started, you know, kind of doing what I do now is um, I was a lobbyist in the conservation movement, like working with national parks. I did a lot of work to preserve uh, more the rights um, of Native Americans in the United States, uh, Native North Americans, um, and in government land, because a lot of their kind of uh, territories were within national park systems. Um, So preserving a lot of their rituals and also taking a lot of inner city youth camping um, and exposing them to careers in the national parks and in the conservation kind of um, uh, careers. So that was my job for about six years. So I worked with a nonprofit organization called the National Audubon Society, which is like ornithologists um, in the Everglades in South Florida. And then I worked in Washington, D.C., more on the lobbying um, kind of side of things. Now, that that's quite a bit different. It sounds more, I don't want to say that, you know, kind of a humanitarian, philanthropic, uh, in, you know, type pursuits. Now, you studied business in, in, in college, right? Exactly. Yeah, I did. And that, you know, the University of Miami, most people only know, you know, about their football team. But, it's you know, it's a private university, and, and uh, being, you know, located where it is, seems to me like that was a bit of a departure. You know, doing the type of work professionally that you did before yoga seems like a bit of a... Uh, a, a big transition or departure from from being in the you know in the business school at the University of Miami was that a interesting transition for you? Um, yeah, you know it's um, being in Miami, like the city uh, of Miami. Like I liked it because it was uh, I kind of got back to talking in Spanish more regularly, which was really nice. Um, the business school in Miami and kind of like having a business focus was never my focus like initially i was just trying to like make my family happy by by doing those studies you know um but those studies did help me because they helped me to write grants and to learn how to write grants um and see the business side because even though i was working in the nonprofit, it's still for profit like it needs to make profit to carry on its work right right um so the humanitarian kind of perspective is a perspective like you know, even though like you, you were, you're like a servant, like, you know, we all have that in ourselves. Um, and I kind of, you know, trend, I always wanted to really do more conservation work. Um, just growing up in a city, I was always intrigued by nature um, and its therapeutic value. Um, so, 
you know, it was kind of, for me, it was a pretty natural move. I always had a longing to, to get involved more in the conservation field. You know, it was some years ago, and I'm sure there's somewhere in the United States with a lot of the culture wars going on today that where this is probably happening. But I remember at some point somewhere in the, in the U S Southwest, um, an elementary school physical education teacher was trying to introduce the kids to yoga and it ended up being a problem with some of our friends on the right side of the aisle uh, because they said it violated the First Amendment because of yoga's roots in some of the Eastern religions. Um, does yoga have a spiritual connection to you beyond what you might just feel in your heart? Are you a spiritual person? Do you practice any sort of faith? And if so, and even if you don't, can you just talk about what yoga does for you spiritually and how that might affect any other, you know, spiritual or faith beliefs that you might have? Yeah, <laughs> that's a fake question, brother. And um, we could probably do a whole so, series on that, right? Yeah, yeah, a whole like podcast theme on that for sure. But it's interesting. It's like, you know, so I grew up Roman Catholic, like extremely, you know, and my, one of my brothers, my, one of my stepbrothers, he's a priest in Philadelphia. Um, and when I started practicing yoga, they're like, oh, he, he's a yoga person, you know, like even my, even within my family, even though I'm a practice, like I still was going to mass, you know, and I wasn't telling them I was because I was like, you know, they shouldn't judge me. I didn't feel that I had like more of like a ego about it. I was like, you know, I shouldn't tell, I shouldn't have to tell people that I do this or that. Um, for them to kind of see me as a, as a you know, just a, another person. Um, but yoga does have a spiritual practice to it. You know, I think every mark, it's a martial art. It's more of like a martial art with yourself, you know, just like, but I, it is a martial art. And I think every martial art has a spiritual approach to it and practice to it. If you really go back to like even learning about the samurais, and learning about the, you know, the, the Shaolin monks, like there's a spiritual practice to everything, right? But it's not a religion. And that's where a lot of people get threatened by it and very judgmental about it. And, and then uh, obviously within every practice, there's people that are preaching it, you know? Uh, but shoot, you know, I mean, if you like this kind of ice cream, you're going to be preaching about it to, to your family so they eat it, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think the preachiness and some personalities within different movements and different arts, uh, you know, people focus on the preachy part of it or the individuals that preach it, and they don't really look deeper into, uh, into the practice. But nowadays, I think it's a lot more popularized in the West. You know, obviously, it was more pop the, the, the physical kind of fitness aspect of it was more popularized because uh, the West is more kind of like physical, I guess you could say. Um, and people want to be fit and look good. And it's more of like a picture society, like ran by media. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Catholic person. I, you know, I like Jesus. I think he's cool. Um, you know, I really, um, you know, I, I feel every religion kind of has its own uh, beauty. Um, you know, and uh, but within my family, it was really interesting because I was really alienated um, and kind of judged because all of a sudden I had joined another quote unquote religion. Right. Right. Uh, when when it's really far from that. 
do you feel like your your the spirituality that you've gotten in touch with through yoga has helped you be, for lack of a better term, a a better Catholic? Um, I think it's helped me in a lot of different facets of my life. Period. You know, like a better person. Period. Right. Um, and um, yeah, man. I mean, for sure. Like it's it's. I think a lot of people re- react. Uh, from angst and anxiety because they have some kind of physical or emotional pain, you know. Um, and the more you kind of understand yourself, you're able to be a better person, right? You're, you're kind of like more humble, hopefully. Right. Um, and rather than lash out and blame everyone around you, you know. Yeah, you um, know. And I think that's something that I, I definitely like learned from the practice of yoga and really my mom turned me on to it. Um, because I, there was a yoga teacher that was going to her job uh, every day at lunchtime. And I started to see my mom a little bit more grounded, um, because, you know, and, and to me that was like, I was like, wow, like my mom's a little bit more, and this when I was pretty young. So she kind of introduced me to the word yoga because I don't even know what that was back then, especially, um, yeah, I think it's definitely made me a better person, bro. I, you know, I have some interesting. I may have even talked about this uh, on the podcast before, but I, I had back in 2017, I went through a very difficult time uh, in my professional life that you know bled over into my my personal life and unfortunately affected my health. But um, I actually went did a yoga class at my gym, and I again was under probably the most stress I'd ever been under. And at the end of that class, I was damn near tears uh, because of the actual just the release of emotion. Um, and then, honestly, yeah. two two months later, I had a very similar I had a very similar experience after a massage. I had a part of my back that nobody yeah. could 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 work out, and the the therapist hit some some release points. And I kid you not, got in the car uh, with my wife and got two stoplights down the road, and I actually stopped at a stoplight and started crying uh, just because of that release of tension. It was. Very interesting. So I've, I've had that experience with yoga. Now, some years ago, um, when I first suffered a really severe herniation of one of my lumbar discs, uh, I ended up uh-huh. getting ended up getting the first of what's now been, I mean, geez, dozen and a half, two dozen uh, cortisone shots, not just in my back, but all over my body um, to help with the inflammation mm-hmm. and the pain. And I posted about that first shot on social media, and you expressed some sort of concern and questioned why I would seek that type of intervention. And my guess is that you believe yoga and Thai massage have healing qualities that are actually very, at the least, uh, a very sufficient alternative uh, to some Western medical interventions. Can you talk more, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, it's like, you know, it's been proving, proven that emotionally, like, oftentimes, like, uh, just to be a little corny on the quote, but we hold our issues in our tissues, you know, <laughs> and... You know, and over time, it kind of exasperates, like it grows, right? Um, and Western, you know, I'm I'm open to all medicine. Like, I think all medicine is wonderful. It's just like who's applying it and why they're applying it. Because there's, you know, there's also like in all aspects of medicine, there's people that are, there's human beings, and human beings themselves um, are not perfect in the way that sometimes they carry out the medicine, you know, or prescribe the medicine. Um, so, you know, and a lot of medicine numbs us 
to, to feeling and going through the, the healing process, right? Because we want quick fix in our, in our culture. Like we want things done yesterday, right? Um, and when we're in pain, especially when it's intolerable pain, we want to get rid of it right away. Um, but sometimes it's like slow. We have to slow down and take the time to understand where that pain is coming from. And the numbing doesn't help understand it. You see what I'm saying? Very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So as I mean, as somebody I, who. But I definitely. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I I I have battled with that. I mean, as somebody who uh, takes pain, prescription pain medication daily for you know six seven years now, um, I I definitely yeah. have wrestled with that thought. Uh, go ahead, finish what you finish your thought though. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's also like I also like I mean I'm not like. Oh, like, oh, you shouldn't do this or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, don't take this cortisone, you know. I, I kind of like, especially if you got to go to work, you got to like carry on your daily things with your family. Like you're the leader of your household. You have to do your business. And when you're in pain and you can't move, what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? Um, so I definitely connect with that. You know, part of what I do is I, I certify people in like body work Um and part of my job is to like teach people how to remove other people's pain because when i hear a story of someone that's in pain my first reaction is like oh man i gotta you know let's call them up let's see how i can help them right um but it's it's impossible for me to do that (laughs) you know um to be every you know to be like out there running around trying to fix you know my friend's pain um but uh yeah, I mean it's we have we're blessed that we have access to such a variety of treatments and medicine, you know, in our in our everyday culture. Like right now, I'm talking to you through a little tiny computer, a phone that fits into my pocket, you know. And you're in Mexico, and I'm in, in New Mexico, and I'm in Peru, you know. Yeah. Um. So I feel it's like it's a privilege to have access to all of this. I think that sometimes. A lot of us don't know all the things, that, all the uh, uh, possibilities to be able to treat our pain, you know. Um, so then we go to what is the most popular in our culture, and generally what's most popular is the pain meds. You uh, see what I mean? Well, and the pharmaceutical companies uh, have a lot of money to spend to influence people and to, to spend on advertising. But, you know, I wasn't actually aware. I mean, I've known for some years, obviously, that you're involved in yoga and yoga had become your life. But it wasn't until I was researching for this interview that I found you're very involved in Thai massage. What is Thai massage? Yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. Pharmaceuticals have a lot of money to spend on, on ads. I think 70% of the commercials in the United States television are pharmaceutical commercials. That's a big percentage. Um, you know, so, you know, and there's like people frolicking through little through fields of, of <laughs> sunflowers with beautiful melancholy music, you know. Um, and then at the end, they give you that whole like spiel on, you know, it's like, oh, you're testicles are going to fall and this is going to happen and you know it's like they just go on um but no one hears any of that they just kind of visualize the the happy people running in the field right um so thai massage is um thai massage obviously it's a practice that comes from thailand there's different philosophies like north south thailand uh different applications to the practice um a lot of these martial arts uh just like uh chinese acupuncture 
Uh, they study meridians and energy lines along the physical body, and they work the energy lines to be able to, like, move your chi or your prana or whatever word or your, or your blood circulation, you know, in Western uh, nervous system, you know, uh, in, in more Western application and, and, and um, names of, this pra- of these lines. Um, to be able to kind of any stagnant energy that you have in your body because the body is generally made of these energy lines or circulation lines or nervous system lines. Sometimes there's a pitched nerve, so there's a dam, you could say, like as far as this like analogy of water moving through your body. Um, and when there's a dam, to liberate the dam in order to be able to help your nervous system to function optimally, right? So time massage applies uh stretching techniques like you apply them on the recipient and you also need the energy lines right so you're you're summing and palming massaging the energy lines while you're putting the recipient in 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 stretching positions to be able to open up their energy does that make sense it does Um, and you know friend it, it sounds a lot like in all honesty i tried something you know i you know, I've talked a little bit about my my back problems, and even before I had that bad herniation, I've had bad muscle spasms in my back almost throughout my entire life. But you uh-huh. know, in many different areas of my back, they last a day or two at a time. Um, you know, starting yeah. last starting last summer, I began to have really bad back spasms all over my back, almost uh-huh. constantly. The uh, fortunately. It, you know, 80% of the time it actually wasn't even that painful, but it was just annoying. There was a lot of numbness and tingling and twitching uh-huh. and come to find out, uh, it was a side effect of a medication I was taking. Uh, it took me eight months yeah. to realize that. But in the meantime, um, you know, I have a very wonderful, wonderful, uh, massage therapist I go to who's, you know, uh-huh. uh, Rose is all of 95 pounds, but she can get in. And when I say she can beat the shit out of my back, I mean, she she gets medieval on me and she does the job but it wasn't working and actually there's a business in town called Sonoma Stretch and it's fascial stretching therapy uh-huh. and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. as you're describing this the stretching and massaging at the same time uh it really reminded me have you heard of fascial stretching therapy yeah i mean so fascia is connective tissue right right um and you know i i haven't heard of it but a lot of the things that are taking place like in a massage is fascial stretching, like you're stretching the connective tissue, right? Um, but the connective tissue kind of molds your body according to how you hold it. So if you're kind of hunched over all the time, the connective tissue hardens and holds you in a, in a folded pattern position, right? Um, so with the fascial stretching, it, it, it what I'm assuming it does, because I don't really know about it, but just the word fascial stretching, what that does um, is you're kind of remolding right you're kind of like stretching it again and that's what time massage does so it's like you're not just on a table with oil which is really nice by the way especially if you have a good therapist um you're adding a little bit you're on the floor on a time mat and that way the 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 massage the the artist is able to apply more pressure with their body rather than just kind of because a lot of therapists end up fatiguing their wrists and fingers doing massage but when the when you're doing time massage, you're able to use your weight and puts and give stretches to the person that's receiving the technique. So it kind of, to me, because I'm a very physical person, and I am also like I'm kind of stubborn, like I'm very determined to figure out how to remove someone's pain. 
um, you know, I've, I've learned that Thai massage to me is, is what works the most optimally. So I studied with a gentleman, his name is Kam Thai Chow, who has passed. Um, and one of my reasons for wanting to study with him is because the, the monks at, at the temple in Thailand were hiring him to redraw the energy lines because they wrote it off the temple walls. So I was like, man, if, if the monks are hiring this guy, I definitely want to learn from him. Um, but uh, so I'm kind of carrying on his, uh, what he taught me and, and what he did teach me was to also listen to my intuition. So I'm applying other techniques to kind of elaborate um, the time such practice. Hey, can you just, just pause for a second? Yeah. Um, you got a little bit, you broke up a little bit there. Your, the, your, 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 your sound changed a little bit. I'm going to take another, just another three second. You know, um, no problem. can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. So you had mentioned acupuncture at some point. Do you have any experience with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, acupuncture, I, I have experienced it and I think it's phenomenal. Like all these, it, it goes back, <laughs> you know, um, it's a very old tradition, which has been very deeply studied. Like if you're in China and you go to the doctor or to the hospital, they actually have both modalities of Western and Eastern medicine at the hospital, which I find extremely amazing. And I think that's something that we, sh we can learn from, you know, um, but, uh, I like that model, yeah, by I, the way, I, I, I like that yeah, model, the, yeah, dual, I mean, the dual modalities, you know, we had uh, years ago, it's been a, a good dozen years, uh, since he crossed what they call that rainbow bridge. My little Arnold, um, had, uh, a, a degenerative disc disease and we you know he was kind of dragging his back legs a little bit and we took him to the regular vet and the, the you know the treatment ran its course and then my wife being the person that she is got online and she found a local vet um who practiced eastern veterinary medicine as well as western and you know i was very yeah. skeptical of course and and uh doc said look there's no placebo effect he doesn't know this is supposed to help him um, and I'll be damned if she wasn't right. Every six weeks for the last year and a half of his life, we took Arnold for acupuncture. I gave him Chinese herbs every single day at, you know, $90 a pop for the for the acupuncture treatments. But, it, you know, it worked. And, um, you know, that's not yeah. something that I've used. But we talked a little bit before. You talked a little bit uh, about uh, training in jiu-jitsu. And, you know, you and I have talked. I trained in, uh, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a couple of years um, before a mm -hmm. knee injury and some complications kind of forced me out of that. But um, do, yeah. you, do you think there are any particular types of martial arts that are more uh, compatible or complementary to yoga than, than others? Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I've trained Capoeira Angola for, for many years. That's how I met my business partner. Um, you know, I think Capoeira Angola is, like, kind of, like, visually looks more acrobatic to a lot of people. Can you um, explain, think, can just explain for my listeners uh, what capoeira is? So capoeira, it's an Afro-Brazilian martial art um, that over the years has kind of evolved, just like all the arts, kind of like, kind of reshaped a little bit to, to, to what's happening in the world today. Uh, but uh, the Portuguese enslaved Africans and through the transatlantic slave trade brought them to Brazil, uh, 
and they it was the the martial art became illegal for a while because the slave master was kind of threatened by uh, these by people coming together and 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 practicing their rituals and their arts. Uh, so it became illegal for a while, and it had to kind of camouflage under different in different ways. Um, but you know, so what you see today is kind of evolved over over time. Um, you know, the martial art of capoeira. Um, but it's a very circular art form. You know, then again, I mean, you look at Aikido, it's very circular, but capoeira kind of looks a little bit more harmonizing. Like a uh, dance. Because, yeah, like a dance, because it was also done to be able to, like, look outwardly like a dance, when in reality it can also be a weapon. Got you, you know? got you. Um, yeah. But uh, as far as your question goes, like which arts are more um, kind of in tune with yoga, I think yoga is just like how you, it's more of an internal martial art. So it's something you can apply to anything you do and any art you do. But it also helps you take care of your physical vehicle, you know, <clears throat> of your body. So, you know, the, the, the asana part of yoga, because there's other aspects to yoga, obviously. Um, but it helps you to take care of yourself so you can do all the things you want to do for a longer, healthier period of time, right? So if I practice jiu-jitsu every day, but I don't do any yoga asana, I end up being in pain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so to me, yoga helps me to do everything I, I want to do for a long time. And that's ultimately what, because I'm a very, like I said, I'm a very physical person, Um so, and I want to be doing what I love for a long time. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense, and I'm 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 very much like you too. I I uh, one of the reasons I had to stop doing, I made the decision to stop doing the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was about a year and a half ago. Um, you know, I had kind of come to a, a point where I was making some decisions, and I was 48 years old, and I was kind of the, if not the best shape of my life, pretty damn close to it. And I thought to myself, you know, I'd like to be in this kind of shape in 10 years, and I just don't know. If continuing to do the jujitsu, I can I'll be able to do that because there'll be more injuries. Um, but what's funny right. is is uh, so I, I'm trying to do the things to keep me healthy, and one of in this case it's just not doing that anymore. And now you know getting punched in the head is is healthier for me at this age than getting my knee twisted. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know I kind of had the the answer to my own question in my head, uh, and I, I I have this a very a very strong feeling and belief that that Brazilian jujitsu and um, and and yoga are very complementary to each other. Now, um, you've posted yeah, yeah. numerous times uh, to your social media platforms over the years about the workshops that you offer, uh, and many times I've seen that they actually involve what's called partner yoga. Now, beyond the obvious, yeah. can you talk a little about what partner yoga is and what benefits and what what you get in from partner yoga that you might not get from from a solo practice? Right. Um, well, you get deeper stretching. You know, because you're like someone else is like helping you to kind of traction your spine, right? Um, so it's it's kind of like an assisted stretching practice, um, and and you get to interact with another person, so it kind of like builds community too. Um, you know, if you're doing it with like your sweetie, then it's like it's different probably like it helps you i've seen couples come in and kind of enhances their communication um sometimes couples come in and and it's pretty obvious they shouldn't be together <laughs> you know um <laughs> but 
in, it's not just like a couple thing, even though it's like partner yoga, it's not like a couple thing. It, you know, I, um, I, cre- I created with a couple of friends a, a thing called Acro Yoga years ago in the Bay Area when I used to live there. And it basically got really popular because um, the biggest periodical, the biggest magazine, like yoga magazine in the world was based there. So they did a, a couple of articles on us um, and it kind of expanded. And I think also because people wanted to interact because yoga is generally like you, your breath and your mat, right? But I think human beings in general want to interact with each other, right? Um, and they want to build community. I mean, we're like social beings. Um, so, it's, you know, it's another way for people to socialize, connect with one another. And the partner stretching is extremely thorough when you have someone else helping you with it, right? Assisted stretching. Like going back to that Thai massage um, I, analogy. I, I was going to say when you first talked about it being uh, heavily heavy on stretching, and it's I was about, I was thinking in my head, this sounds almost a lot a lot like Thai massage, except that there's almost a, a, a dual a dual benefit. Both 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 people involved are getting a benefit. Yeah, yeah, you know, a hundred percent. And I actually do teach a lot of Thai massage techniques in the partner yoga class. Um, it just makes Thai massage more accessible to people in a partner yoga class because you kind of got the massage word out of it. Um, but a lot of your fascia is getting massaged, your connective tissues, your tendons are getting stretched, your muscles are getting stimulated. There's a lot of circulation. Circulation and respiration are kind of like the fundamentals of health, you know, like physical health at least. Um, you know, and, and it definitely enhances circulation um, and opens up like tendons and muscles that are kind of like concrete in your body. like Right. Know, kind of softens them up yeah um yeah like my yoga teacher is he he just turned 80 86 years old you know and he stands on his head without his hands and he, he lives in manhattan and he rides around in a stand-up scooter you know like you know this is an 80 80 something year old man like Th- th- those those are some pretty there. that's a that's a pretty good goal you know you uh talked about the overall health benefits uh, of yoga on things like blood pressure and heart rate and uh, and and the and the the more structural even the more structural parts of the body um are you familiar with any peer reviewed studies on such such benefits from the medical community yeah and i i do like to reference the science of it because um you know i if i get into like the spiritual kind of more emotional aspect that you were referencing earlier when you like you know, kind of like cried after a class, which I think is really powerful and very real. Uh, and sometimes a cry like that helps you let go of a potential illness, right? Um, but I do like to reference the science because it just kind of like a lot of people that are more skeptical, they kind of like, you know, they can reason with the science more. Um, but if you look back, there's a lot of studies that have been done um, on yoga benefits. Uh, the physical benefits, but also the, the benefits in your nervous system. They, they did a study on, like, uh, Buddhist monks uh, who were, you know, who are very in a meditation practice and how their nervous system was firing at all cylinders, you know, because of a consistent meditation practice. Um, and, you know, a lot of the, a human's health is generally, you know, it's like our brain is the engine, right, uh, of our physical body. So how our nervous system is functioning 
is uh, says a lot for how our, our, our physical wellness is, is being, you know, carried on. You know, we're getting kind of towards the end of, of our time that we have today. Uh, we've talked a lot about yoga and your Synergy Yoga company that you're the co-director of. Um, outside of yoga, outside of your business, outside of your personal practice of yoga, what are your interests? What, do you, what, what sports leagues do you follow? I know we spoke recently. We talked a little bit about soccer. Uh, which leagues do you follow? Uh, what other sports do you watch? What, what other interests do you have outside of uh, what you do for a living? Um, well, I like to I like to hike a lot. <laughs> um, I like uh, I like to surf. I like to. Right now, I'm in Lima, which is a big. It's the only capital uh, in South America that's on the ocean. Um, as my grandfather, who passed away last year, was reminding me. Um, and he lived to be like a hundred, hundred, almost one hundred and one years old. Um, but uh, yeah, I, lo- I love you know sports like outdoor, outdoor activities. Um, as far as like leagues and professional leagues, um, you know, I, I I'm always amazed by athletes who are very devoted. You know, like right now I'm watching the NBA a little bit, like basketball. Um, yeah, I don't really watch too much American football. Um, but uh, yeah, like I like you know the World Cup was watching Messi kind of like masterfully lead his, the Argentina into the the World Cup championship was was pretty amazing. His final hurrah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you What do you hope to do? You know, assuming that you know your life is yoga, so I would imagine for the rest of your life you'll be doing it. What do you What What plans do you have for the future as far as your practice? Maybe different different types of yoga or different different practices or, or things that you're looking to get into or you would like to add to the toolbox? Well, uh, Synergy, we have a nonprofit. So we have a, a youth empower. It's called Synergy Rising, which is based in Washington, D.C., but we have programs in Peru and Kenya. In Kenya, we have Inuka, which is a youth empowerment program. And in Peru, we're developing a cultural conservation conservation program uh, to preserve a lot of these ancient traditions in the in the Andes. Um, so what do I look to do right now? We're in the process of um, purchasing some land in, in uh, the Sacred Valley of Peru to have a martial arts center where we look to teach jiu-jitsu, capoeira, yoga uh, to local youth. Um, and, you know, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm putting together. My home is going to be out there as well. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I love to travel, man. I love learning from other cultures and other people. So, uh, yeah, I feel pretty blessed that I get to travel all over the world, and I've traveled so much, like teaching, uh, not just yoga, but teaching. You know, I, we coordinate different retreats and festivals um, all over the world. So I get to learn from so many different cultures. You know, um, yeah. Well, well yeah, with all think, uh, with all the traveling you do. With all the traveling you do, you know if you come to New Mexico, you've got a, you have an old friend here, and I expect you to look me up, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're running out of time here, but I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed these last forty five minutes or so with Francisco Morales Bermudez of Synergy Yoga. Fran, you want to just give uh, tell the listeners where they can find you and or your your business uh, online on social media and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure, brother, and and definitely give me your ad, your mailing address. I'm going to send you some. Some things that could probably help you with some of that back pain. Right on. Um, 
but uh, so the website is synergy.yoga, not .com, .yoga. So synergy.yoga, S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y.yoga. Um, our social media on Instagram is synergy.yoga as well. Um, and my personal is francisco.mba. Ladies and, and yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, I've had fun talking to Francisco Morales Bermudez. I hope you guys have had just as much fun listening. And um, we'll re- we will be right back at you next month uh, with another episode of the Square Peg Podcast. You guys uh, have a good day, have a good week, and have a good month until you hear from us again.